We sometimes abuse superlatives. Hey, that burger was awesome. Oh, really? Right. Oh man, that was that was unbelievable. Really? It was unbelievable. Nothing like that had ever happened, ever before. And now the nachos you're having are unbelievable. But there are times when the use of big superlatives are not big enough. That's what we're going to hear today. We're going to look at something that is believable because it's reality, and something that's awesome because it's our season, it's our time. This is our time. It's our turn. That Jesus is like nobody else. He's like no other. He's unique. And we know that to be so. Well, man, let's look at this today. Turn to with me to Ephesians. You know, my, my Bible falls open to Ephesians 4. It just like goes, okay, I'm going there. Um, it's learned how to submit to where I go. But I want you to start with me uh, today because we're going to hit a, a piece of scripture that's been zoomed over in the middle of so many good things that we like a lot, but sometimes we just go over this part, and we'll talk about that when we get there. But let's start with verse 1 of the fourth chapter. He says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit, and the bond of peace. I'll tell you what, what would the world be like if we just did that? There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of us all, who is over all, and through all, and is in all. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. I just don't have an instrument that can measure the grace of God. It's not centimeters, it's not inches, it's not hectares. Um, it's unmeasurable from this side. It's a, it's a measurement that must be demonstrated, and it has been, from his side. And then there's this gigantic word in verse 8 that says, therefore. It says... When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of uh, captives. And I like the King James, it says, he led captivity captive. And he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he who descended into the lower parts of the earth, he who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might, what? Fill all things. It's amazing. And then, verse 11, he goes into this description of this, this unique, unique gifts. These equipping gifts. The, the part that I was mentioning, verses 8 through uh, 10, so many times are, man, we just kind of, it's talking about ascending and descending and it's talking about, and we just kind of, look, we kind of go over it, okay? Kind of like those parts and numbers where, okay, there was so much of Israel and so much of Judah and so much, and we go like, okay, I'm just going to kind of 
but I'll let, I'm going to fast read through part of that. But it's so important that we see what this is. Because what he's describing here is a characteristic of God's unique work that's happening to bring about the ability of the body of Christ to both connect, but also to transform the world. See, the only organism that God has given to transform the world is the church. That's it. And yet, we live in a culture and a time, and maybe that's not the only time, where we're so caught up in our personal relationship with God, which is a good thing. And we're so caught up in looking for the works of the Holy Spirit, which is a good thing. And we see how precise and accurate the, the, these things are. And yet, we, look, we see the body of Christ as kind of this, through, this, through the lens of this kind of this sloppy agape. Where the church, can, we don't really know what the definition of who she is. We have our church experience, we have kind of what people are trying to do, and we have, but see, the Word of God, the, the, the church is not some kind of godly good. It's a body. It's functions. It actually overcomes, and it changes the world. Every generation comes to the moment that the church is at now, every generation. We're not the generation doing it all. It's just our turn to come to this embracing and this exactness and this precision um, of the body of Christ. When I was in school, uh, I we took apart human dead people. We didn't do live people. Okay, then let's do that. Um, and it was fascinating. The precision and the interrelationship in this functional and it's like you're looking at this person and you're thinking, man, there's like a zillion things that can go wrong here. And yet the integrity of the body, it's, it's very amazing. And what we need to see today is an aspect or a characteristic that brings out this uniqueness, this, this taking captivity captive, what that means, okay, as he what? As a result of him ascending, okay, and what the value of his ascending was in relationship to his descending upon the earth. So you ready for it? <laughs> and it's good because that's all I got. Okay, that's all I got today. Alright. Um, let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at this. This He says, you know, he says, therefore it says when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives. Man, it's, it's, so, it's almost so poetical that it's good just as it is. But what is, it, what is he saying? Because the result of taking these captives is as he ascended, the disciples watched Jesus begin to ascend to heaven. Chapter 1 of Acts, he starts to ascend. And they're like caught up looking at it, all right? Because they've been through what's next their whole time with Christ. It was next. Okay, what's going on? And he's ascending, just like he said he would. But to them, he's like, he's not going to be here like he was. And the two angels had to come over, because God knew these guys would be caught up in that moment. Two angels come and say, listen, what are you doing? Just as he went, that's how he's going to come back. All right? But he, be obedient, they said, to what he asked you to do. So they, they were, and that's a good thing. 
But this, this ascending business, that as he ascended to heaven, he gave gifts. Wow. That's something, because this comes from uh, an Old Testament uh, scripture. It comes from Psalm 68, verses 17 through 19. I'm going to read it to you. The chariots of God are myriads, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them, as at Sinai in holiness. You have ascended on high, you have led captive your captives, and you've received gifts among men, even among the rebellious that the Lord God may dwell there. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden. The Lord is our salvation, say I. That this work of Christ throughout the New Testament is emphasized by the Holy Spirit, Matthew through John, in saying this is what he did to fulfill what God spoke back here. This is what he did to fulfill. This is what he did to fulfill. He fulfilled, he fulfilled, he fulfilled, he fulfilled. Okay? Everything that was a characteristic or an aspect of Christ that was revealed in a parable, or revealed in a story, or revealed in a scripture in the Old Testament, it's about Jesus fulfilling something and coming to this place where as he descended, these things are going to be brought into reality, not philosophy. These things were going to get done in such a way that they could only be done by him. That this fulfillment, this, this, this leading captives captive, or capturing captivity, I like that one. He's doing something in this uh, victory and this winning, he's doing something in this captive business that we need to take a look at. What kind of captivity is he talking about? Who's the captives? How are they captivated? And how are they taking captive, captive, captive? <laughs> wow. How did it work? <laughs> Let's turn with me with, if you would, to Colossians 2. In Colossians 2, uh, we're going to start at verse 8. Um, it says that, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. He's making this distinction here between a kind of a mixed person that is susceptible to this deception that comes through traditions or according to the elementary principles of the world. See, the world tries to tell us every day, if you don't play by our rules, you're going to be left out of what the goodies are. Don't walk by faith because that's not where the goodies are. Don't live a righteous life because that's not where the goodies are. If you want to have the nice house and you want to you want to do the nice things and you want to and you want to have what the world has, man, you got to play by our rules. So he tells these people. He says, "Listen." He says, "For in Him, in Him, in Him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form." See. To, to, to take captivity captive 
You have to be where the captives are, and you have to have the goods to deliver them. Right? See, if Nat and I say, man, we're just sick of Iran. We're just tired of these guys bullying everybody, being the big noise. Nat and I are going to fly to Tehran, and we're going to talk to whoever we need to talk to, and we're going to solve this problem. Okay? Nat and I would be uh, put in prison at best. Right? We wouldn't make the news. Uh, nobody would, nobody would, wouldn't make a bomb, a dent in the oppression. Why? We were sincere. We mean it. But we don't have the goods to carry it off. We're not a government that can go to a government and, and, and require something. This picture of deliverance is an Old Testament picture of captives that are taken captive. In the olden times where our, the kingdom, uh, our king and our kingdom that we lived in maybe would go to another kingdom and there would be war and the kingdom that we were a part of won. And what that king would do is he would take the kind of the king first and the nobles and some of the people and the goods that had been acquired from this victory and they would bring them to our city and march them through the plaza and it would be this recognition that we have overcome this enemy and we have taken from this enemy what he trusted in. The second thing we would do is the people, our people, that had been taken captive by this other kingdom, oppressed, enslaved. And as they were set free, they would come marching through too. And there would be this restoration of these civilians that were a part of our kingdom. And it would be this evidence that there would be this overcoming and a celebration, not only of the victory, but what the victory means. This is the picture of this kingdom and the king that we have coming to this earth, descending, and bringing about a, a victory. It's not a moral victory, even though moral change occurs. It's not like a religious victory, because it's not just for the guys that believe this. That even for the folks that absolutely do not believe anything about the Bible, it's for them too. This victory, he says, here, let's take a look at it. That this empty deception don't give in, but for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. All that God is has been what? Smooshed into, that's a terrible word, that's, that's all I'm going to use it. It's smooshed into this, 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 this bag of flesh. And he's come among us. And in him you've been made what? Complete. What? How many of you in here see that you need to grow and you need to change and you got a long way to go? Okay? But you're complete. If you trust in Christ, you're complete. That doesn't mean you're completely walking in your completeness. It just means there's nothing that needs to be added to you if you believe in Christ. It's only a matter of getting out of you and exercising what's in you in this completeness that's the issue. Some of us in here, how many of you would like to be more patient? 
How would you like to read the Bible more? How many would like to be better with other people? Sure, all right? But see, that's already in you. It's already there if you are in Him. It's there. So the boast isn't going around, well, I'm complete in Christ, but I don't worry about the fruit because that's too hard. Now the fruit comes from walking in what Christ has done and who He is and letting go yeah. of our own judgments about who we are. Yeah. It's not a matter of just finding out who we are in Christ. It's finding out who Christ is and believing Him brings about this change where I am different, I am like Him, but it begins to be the way I talk to people on the phone. It begins to be the way I treat my co-workers. It begins to be hope for my family. It begins to be, you know, you just notice people. You ever do that? You're in a restaurant, you just notice them? Well, what do I do with that? What am I going to do with that? All right? Julie and I, when we were on, uh, in Breckenridge, we were sitting next to this uh, young lady, uh, mom. Uh, she was by herself. And I introduced myself by eating one of her french fries. Right? Actually, she invited me to have one. Uh, she got these french fries like I'd never seen before. I said, wow, those are awesome. She goes, like, well, try one. So I scooted over and tried one of her french fries. It was awesome. It, let's see, it didn't even need ketchup. And the crowd was shocked, okay? And so it started a little conversation with her, and pretty soon she was a mom, and they were on vacation from Dallas, and uh, she was with her husband's family, and and uh, their two-year-old had gotten sick because of the altitude and, and got, you know, a little kid with an ear infection, man, it is no fun. Right? And so she had, <laughs> during the vacation, so taking care of this little kid, they said, listen, you take a day out. So she went to the spa, all right, and then she went to dinner by herself. And this restaurant was cool. It was, I mean, it was, we had a coupon, all right, to go to this restaurant. Anyway, she, we were sitting there talking to her, and we got to share a little bit about what happened and who she, where she was and where she's from and so forth. And I said, well, I'd like to ask you a question. Would that be okay? And she said, yes. And I said, do you, do you see yourself at a crossroads in your life? And she goes, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, we talked a little bit more, and we asked, man, can we pray for you? So she scooted over next to Julie. And man, right there in the schlanky restaurant, man, we had a little purser's. It was awesome. See, that, that, that moment that we don't have to preserve ourselves. We don't have to make it happen ourselves. We don't have to give in to the world system so that we get stuff. We find that we're free from something, and a captive that's been taken captive in the way that Christ has done it gets this freedom from that captivity that they've never had before. He says this, he says, um, you're complete, and he's the head over all rule and authority. See, if Jesus descended, but he didn't have the authority to get it done, then we could, then we could celebrate him as a martyr. We could celebrate him as somebody who tried. We could celebrate his nobility. We could celebrate his, his care. But man, none of that is the celebration that we have. The celebration that we have is that, man, he's head over all rule and authority. He has the right and the power to act. And in him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. 
in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised up, and through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. To be taken captive means that he's done something to where he ruined the authority that controlled us. I see people, man, I was one of those people who thought, man, I'm my own authority. I can do it my way. I don't have to, I have no need for God. I have no thought of God. I was aware of evil, but I didn't have this burning desire to know him. I didn't. Because I was sufficient in thinking that, man, at 18 years old, man, I, I can make my own destiny. Have you ever heard that, seen that t-shirt? Make your own destiny. Man, you're, you're kidding yourself. I ran into God while I was drowning in the ocean in California. And I really didn't even know it was Him. I was drowning. I was sucking in seawater. I was 18 years old, and I'm thinking, I've done nothing with my life, and nobody knows who I am. That loneliness. And right here, right behind my stern bone, was this statement, don't panic, it's going to be all right. I don't know how I got from that thought to the beach. I really don't changed everything. I was set up to go to school. We were taking this vacation so we could start college. I got up and see my girlfriend, this cute little blonde girl in South Dakota. All right. <laughs> now we were we had driven across Canada. We came from uh, Vancouver down the coast. We were now we were drowning in in uh, Carl, uh, no not Carlsbad, uh, San Clemente Beach, drowning. And when I got to the beach. Everything shifted, and I didn't even know what it was. Came back to Fort Collins, got all my books, got all my pencils, got my organizer, got the ABCs, got my schedule. Didn't know what a single classroom was, and I'm a man, you don't ask. And so I walked many miles, many miles. All right? Was ready to go. Went through that first day of class, came home, and man, I was empty. This ain't it. I don't know what is it. This ain't it. I'm looking for something. Talked to my parents, told them I'm done with school. They are irate. My dad's mad. My mom is like crying. It didn't go well. So my dad says, okay, smart guy, what's your plan? I said, I'm going to Alaska. And man, you know that smirky laugh of a, your dad that you hate? All right? I got like a load of that. He says, that's not a plan. That's a destination. I said, well, that's what the plan must be. So five days later, six days later, man, I was gone. Never ridden on an airplane before. Got on an airplane. Didn't know a single soul in Alaska. It's a terrible time to go there. And I think it's the end of September, October, somewhere. Alaska's kind of shuts down, especially in those days, in the ancient days, okay? Man, I was looking for something. Didn't know who I was looking for. Didn't know what I was looking for. But see, it's not a matter of what I'm looking for. It's a matter of who's looking for me. See, who's looking for you? And then are we going to turn around and let it find us? He says, when you were dead in your transgressions, verse 13 of that Colossians chapter, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Oh, man, as we get to be older Christians, man, Kind of minimize the value of forgiveness. See, forgiveness cuts us loose from the influence of our past. 
And without forgiving others, without forgiving ourselves, we're still tied to that, to that dead man. You know, on the farm, we were, there's dead animals occasionally that you didn't find for a while. And it was like you knew something bad. You knew. But to drag that around with you, wouldn't it kind of stink up the rest of your life? It does. It stinks up your life. And it makes us obscure to people. We're a Christian. We love the Lord. We're excited about serving Him. And then we're burdened by the things I've done in the past and the mistakes I've made. See, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Forgiveness has been won for us. It's not something you earn by feeling crappy about it. It's a victory that this, this, this one who took hold of captivity and changed the rules. He changed what it was. He says, and he also canceled out the certificate of debt. We've all maybe in this room, maybe I won't have you raise your hands. There's times you can't pay a debt. Don't you love that? In Colorado Springs, when we were starting that church, I went two years every month calling the utilities company, telling them I'm going to be late. I loved making that phone call. I yearned before that moment where I could. I couldn't wait to run to the phone and one more time feel like, man, I got my head in my hands, I got to tell them again. Debt consisting of decrees against us. Because our nature couldn't handle what the law required. It couldn't. And the good we tried to do and the bad we tried to stop doing, we couldn't get around it. It just cycled and cycled and cycled. <clears throat> but he canceled them. These things were hostile and he was taken and he and he has taken it out of the way. And having nailed it to the cross. Nailed this to the cross. It was a public display of the freedom that we have. There are times where we want to listen to those things that want to come and threaten us. We want to pay attention to impossible. You know what impossible is? It's that thing that we faced, and then we face it, and then and then we face it. It may be personal, it may be a circumstance, it may be a relationship, but we learn how to live around what's impossible. Jesus did something where he took away by nailing it to a cross this, this subjection and this captivity to the word impossible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. I can. I can't do it on my own. But man, it says what you hear whispered in your ear, man, shout it from the rooftops. There's something about confidence in the body of Christ. I'm not saying it needs to be restored. It needs to be stored. I mean, it needs to happen fresh. A confidence, not in ourselves or our, or our, or our competence, but a, 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 a confidence because he said it and a life of faith. Hope is the expectation of good. And faith does not work without hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. If I don't expect good as a result of the promises of God, then my prayers are just about God, help Uncle Joey, and man, the dog, and, the, and the, I hope things go well, and bless the children as they go to school. But they're not specific. They're not hitting the mark. 
and they're not at the standard where God says, change the world. They're down here where it says, make me feel better and make me feel comfortable. And it says, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of that, having triumphed over them through him. See, to take captivity captive, you have to destroy what's keeping that captivity going. You have to destroy that power, that, 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 that brokenness that emphasizes brokenness and keeps us locked up and mocks you. That has to be broken. See, listen. Sometimes I see Christians railing at the devil. Anyway, see, we, we just need to show him our, our union card. Really. Because one day, and Isaiah talks about this, Ezekiel talks about it, we will pass by the devil himself. And all that he is, sitting right there. And our comment, corporately, will be, is that, is that it? That was it? That's the one that caused the nations to tremble? This is it? Why was I wasting my time talking to him? Talk to God! And God will deal with him. Because he's made a public spectacle. He's ruined this influence. Captivity being made captive means that he's not only dealt with what? He's not only <laughs> this is good. <laughs> he's not only dealt with sin, but he's dealt with the rebellion that pushes and depends on sin. He's not only dealt with sin and rebellion, he's dealt with darkness, this sneaky, this, this conniving, this liar who once had the power that belonged to death, but Jesus took back death and put life in there. See, nothing can destroy you. Amen. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do to me? Well, we're going to murder you. Well, praise God. We're going to make fun of you. We're going to ridicule you. We're going to demean you. We're going to make you look silly. We're going to make you look stupid. Go ahead. I'm not representing my frailties. I'm representing the one that's established me as complete. That's what I'm representing. Well, you're not complete. You don't act complete. No, that's true. i got a long way to go. Guess what? Inside, by faith, I am complete. And I'm going to learn how to walk by all these new muscles. See, the muscles of what God deposits, it's like muscles. All right? Uh, how many of you work out more than twice a week? All right? Now, if I went to any of your, where you go to work out, and I did your workout, I wouldn't have made it, okay? I wouldn't have made it through it, all right? But the next day, what would I look like? Oh, man, that'd be a mess. That'd be a 911 call, all right? <laughs> It'd be Julie, and she'd be, like, helping me out of bed and, and feeding me on the floor, you know? It's not because I don't have the muscles to do them. They're not exercising. It's not because you're not complete. It's because you're not exercising the muscles. You're not believing him for what he says. You're letting circumstances. You're letting the ways of the world. You're letting a dominion that's defeated tell you it's the power. And it is not. And then as he ascended, he says he gave gifts. The word gave means that he meant he's granted these things based on the decision of his will, not on the merit of the recipients. 
your purpose in this world, God makes alive through faith in Christ. And you didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it, you didn't go to school to get it. He gave it to you. It's to give you an advantage. He gave gifts. The gifts is the word doma. It means it, it's, it's putting the greater emphasis on the character of the gift than it is just that it's a gift. It's the character of the gift. And it's something that when he gives it to you, it abides. It belongs in you. It's an abiding possession. It's from him. But he's given it to you. He's not going to take it away from you. And he's really talking about these gifts he's going to describe here in verse 11. It's gifts that we've put over here. It's gifts that we've limited to one or two. It's gifts that are given to us that every part of the body gets to experience the full character of Christ. Man, if you're the enemy, wouldn't you fight against that? Wouldn't you make that something that people, no, I'm going to pay attention. That's my personal relationship with God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the time of people just going to conferences, standing up and words of wisdom, words of knowledge and all that kind of stuff is coming to an end for what it is. It really is. And you know why? It's like giving too many sweets to the baby. They're never going to respond to that word. They're never going to live a lot. They're never going to lead anybody to Christ. They're not going to disciple anybody. They're not going to reach their neighbors. They're just going to go from thing to thing to thing so that they're, they feel okay about themselves, that God loves them and has a purpose for their life. But they're not walking in it. That the word as it goes, is going to come to the body of Christ. It's not going to be harsh or bad. But it's going to be in relationship to this, this salvation that he's brought. And it's going to be in relationship to the body being unified. And it's going to be in relationship to change the world. Quit trying to save yourself. Yeah. It will be. Because babies that have too much sugar, you know what they want tomorrow? More sugar. Now that's coming to an end. It really is. And God is bringing even those who have purported that model to repentance. I'm not saying there isn't personal prophecy for you. I'm just saying it's not the trough you should be eating from. What about this descending business? Okay, he ascended. All right, because it descended. That's the last part of verse, verse 10, right? He who ascended also descended. Let's read that. Oops. My fat fingers out of line. And he said, now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Are you connecting with me today? This grace that was given to this gifts he's given. And he starts to list apostle prophet. Are you making this transition with this transition? He's saying since he's won the victor's crown, he gave gifts as he ascended. But we have to realize and embrace that he who ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended in the lower parts of the earth? And he who descended is himself, he also he who ascended. So we've got to, he's the same guy. He's the same person. Let's take a look at his, his descending. 
Philippians 2, 3 through 11. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind and regard one another as more important than yourselves. Okay, let's just do, let's start there. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. So I'm not supposed to imitate the attitude of Jesus. I'm to have the attitude of Jesus. Big difference. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made likeness, being made in the likeness of men. This captive, captive taking, there was no shortcut to it. There wasn't an easier way. That Jesus had to become flesh and dwell among us. And by that became a perfect sacrifice. A perfect high priest. It was, seems like, oh, Jesus, who had been with the Father, looked upon sinful men or could see that was happening. But to me, be a mom? Wow, you got to be kidding me. Jesus Christ, folks, is like nobody else. He's like nobody else. Not only did he mean business, but he got the business done. He didn't, in the trials and the tribulations, grasp at something that would have saved him from being the one who took captivity captive. He didn't call angels to come fix it for him. He didn't call down lightning to destroy his enemies. Man, he was, he was just like a lamb before the slaughter. He didn't die as a martyr. He died as one laying down his life so he could pick it up again. Jesus died always because the view was to ascend, to rise again. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself. Wow. What's more humbling than God being in a this earth suit. And yet he says, even in that, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. There's no, it's not going to be the easy way for us to reach the world. We can't do it just with videos and conferences. Christianity is meant to be a nose-to-nose work, too. It's meant to be in the lives and their lives involved in your life and that connection and working through all the personality issues and trials and she said and he said and coming out on the other end with one mind and one purpose and one heart. Folks, that's what's going to change the world. That's what's going to change what comes. But we don't do that. We go to church ABC and then we're sick of Pastor Joe and the worship's too loud and the the, the children's ministry is not good enough, and, all, and now I'm going to, I just keep going somewhere else. I don't grow up. I go from one church to the other to see what sweets they have for me. And all the while we forget is descending and is ascending. For this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee would bow and of those who are in heaven and on earth and under earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. We've all run into people who say they don't believe in God. That's a temporary problem. One way or another, it's temporary. 
this uniqueness we talked about today that's in you, do you recognize it? Do you recognize he's cured your rebellion? Do you recognize he's cured your sin nature? Do you recognize and he's overcome the enemy? Do you recognize that death has no hold on you? Julie and I are sitting in the eye doctor's office and she's talking about her eyes being dilated so I took the, my phone and you know I had to flip the camera around because I was trying to say, well, you need to see how big, how big the dilation is. Well, all Julie saw when my camera was coming and her face got bigger and bigger and bigger. She thought, I could tell that she was no longer looking at the dilation. She was looking at the wrinkles, okay? It's like, a, it's like looking at my driver's license picture when I got it. I said, man, who is this guy? Who is this old dude? Not on the inside, see? Julie's not old on the inside. You're not old. On the inside is this fullness of this uniqueness. Are you recognizing it? You can't come up here today if you know Christ and will pray for you that you get this. You have this and you're not exercising it in its fullness. This is not more work you have to do. This is not more sweat you have to give. It's less of you and more of Him that He's asking for. Is to see how can I be equipped by the gifts that he's given when he ascends if I'm in and out of the process? How can I be discipled if I think ultimately I get to choose all that? What happens when there's no humility? What happens when there's no what? Capacity to learn. How many of you went to college and ate hot dogs and lived in a little room and you had no privacy? All of us who went to college experienced that. We put ourselves in these, these, these situations because we wanted an education. And yet, we, man, we won't let go because our time is mine and my vacation is mine and all these are mine. And if you start taking away from it, then I become so heavenly minded I'm of I'm no earthly good. We take non-scriptural things and we apply them as if they're true. When is it going to be that it's him and not us? So this is a, this, I'm not beating you down. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm coaching a winning team. And they, 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 they're all wearing different uniforms. There comes a time when my question, is this uniqueness in its fullness being exercised in you? We'll do a little worship. Um, if you guys would come up, the worship folk, and uh, go ahead and lead us in the song you have. But let this be a time, instead of thinking about Christianity and what it needs to do and what Christians need to do, let's start with you. Let's start with me. Let's start with us. About captivity. About sin. Alright. <laughs> I'm going to stop there. The freedom from it. The freedom of rebel from rebellion. The freedom from dark influences. And the freedom from death. That's all that at work. We step in and lean in on that. Father, we just thank you for this. We just ask that, Father, before today, before we go sit next to somebody else, that still may be very much what you want. But first, let's start with us. Not to feel sorry, or, Lord, I'm so far away, but to admit he's won the victor's crown for you. And you know what? The message you have that Jesus Christ saves is something that your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors are dying to hear.
firm foundation and let God put his confidence in you.